Welcome to St. Corey Christian Center and our most recent podcast as we go through the book of Ephesians chapter by chapter and verse by verse as we learn what it means to be equipped. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Amen. We're going to talk about faith for victory. Do you get the victory today? Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. I apologize for the mic thing. I sound really loud here in the room, but it means nothing to those dear people at home or online trying to listen to us. So I got a sound person there trying to run me. I got a sound person over there trying to run me (laughs) and make this all sound good. But if I don't use this thing just right, it's not going to really help out the technicians a whole lot. So appreciate the technicians for uh, doing their best to keep this thing moving forward. Numbers 13. Numbers 13, going to start at verse 17. Kind of a unique passage, and maybe this afternoon or this week would be kind of a neat exercise to take this um, book home, the book of Numbers, and even Deuteronomy, but these chapters, and maybe read them and get them into your spirit a little. This is in Numbers chapter 13, starting at 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now down to verse 26, same chapter. Now they departed and came back to Moses. So the 12 went out, inspected and viewed the land, and now the 12 are on their way back, and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran of Kadesh, and they brought back word to them to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Sounds pretty good so far, doesn't it? Nevertheless, there's always the negative delis. However, right? The people who dwell in the land are strong. They've already got themselves convinced that the Amalekites and the Canaanites and the, all the ites out there are bigger than their mites. They've already made up their mind that this is where we're at, that everything else is going to be, even though the fruit is good and the land is good and there's a lot of good stuff up there, they've already made up their minds that those folks are stronger than they. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb, you thankful for a Caleb? Then Caleb, we need some Calebs right now in 2021. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. Amen? I want to be Caleb. Because we are able. Amen? I was talking to Pastor Buckingham this week, and he goes, let us rise and build. (laughs) As only he could say it, right? Father, we love you, and we thank you for this day that you made, and we will. We will. We made up our mind. We're going to rejoice and be glad in him. 
Thank you for a good heart. Thank you for a good spirit in this room today. Thank you for people that want to come and just worship you and see the power of God manifest in our lives. Thank you for those online that have joined us today. Most of all, thank you for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us and directs us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I believe, and I know that I'm talking mainly to the choir here today, but I've learned this, that just because you are God's doesn't mean you always walk in God's victory. But I do believe this. I believe that it's God's will that the people of God are in victory. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't feel like it, I believe it's God's will that you and I walk in victory. I believe that it's God's will that we sort of walk around and say, I'm going to be like Caleb today. I could be like all the other knuckleheads, but I'm going to be like Caleb today. Amen? It's God's will for us to move forward. You say, well, I'm going to hit pause. I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit that. I was reading some leadership stuff this week, and one of the lines that popped out from John Maxwell's book called The Winning Attitude, and it's a great book if you want to read it to lift up your spirits and encourage you and have a mind shift and a mindset that's a good one, is simply this. And he wrote it like it popped out at me. It said, forward or backward, both have momentum. Being positive creates momentum, and being negative creates momentum. How do you know? Ten come back and said, it's flowing full of milk and honey. The fruit there is amazing. However, they're bigger than we are. They're stronger. Their cities are fortified. And all of a sudden, what did it do? Their negative spirit created this momentum. And those people can understand. These 12 men that went up represented every tribe of Israel. These were people of influence. You went through so far. Moses knew that and so did God. And that's why God said to Moses, you pick one dude from each tribe and send them up to the land I've already given you. I'm not going up for them guys to establish what's already yours. I've established that already. With me. I just want you guys to go see what I already know. And I want you guys to see what I see. And I want you guys to get in your heart what's in my heart. Because one thing God's got figured out is this. God can have it all mapped out. But until the people of God get God's heart, nothing's going to happen. We can sit back and say, well, we're not going to do overcomers. We're not going to do youth. We're not going to do prayer. We're not going to do Sunday school. Yes, we are. Why? Because right now, the fields are white and ready to harvest. And the labors may be few, but they're growing and they're coming in and getting trained and getting discipled. And the work of God and the works of God will not stop. I don't care what comes our way. God and the gospel always moves forward. I've heard so much chatter this week. Oh, the mountains are big. And oh, you must be stressed out. And oh, you look tired. And I say, I've never been so peaceful. I've never been so fired up. Because the conversations I'm having is this. Jody, I, can I come to Overcomers? A lady messaged us just this morning at 7.15. And said, is it too late to sign up? I don't know her from Adam's Tomcat. But I said, those doors are open. Tonight's the first night you get here. Amen. There's never been an opportune time like right now to say we are able. 
We're on a mission. Let's say it together. I'm on a mission. What's yours? Thanks, Alan. Then Moses. <laughs> then Moses sent them out to spy. He spied out the land of Canaan and said to them, go this way. And they went south up the mountains. To see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell are strong or weak. He already knew this stuff. He already knew what was going on. But again, again, they had to get in in their heart. It was already promised to them, 12 spies, 12 tribes, all this was going on. I said this often this week, and I'll share it with you in a corporate level. At the end of the day, I don't want people seeing me. I want them seeing Jesus. Jesus taught that so well when he sent out the twelve. When he sent out the twelve, I said twelve and twelve at the same time. <laughs> when he sent out the twelve, he sent them out with the mission. Even Jesus, his heart was this, and I read the scripture to you last week, was when I do these works, even if you don't believe me, believe the works that I'm doing, because when you see what I'm doing, the works of the Father are working through me. Even if you don't see me, I want you seeing Jesus. The greatest testimony this church could have in 2021, as long as the Lord tarries, is this, is that there's not a hope, a lot of hope being going on in Charlotte County. But there's a hope in that church, and those people are full of hope, and they're full of authority, and they're full of power, and there's something about those people that when you get around them, you just want more of it. There's something about that place. It's different than any other building. It's different than any other group of people. It's Jesus. We are promised to go forward. We are promised to move ahead when we're on a mission. Sometimes when I'm at the grocery store, there's times there's times that I have the time to talk and gab. And I do, I got that gift of gab. Y'all think? And there's other times I'm on a mission. And I'm giving her. And people say, Joe, you're on a mission. I'm not being rude or arrogant. I'm just on the fly. We're on a mission. And the mission, I want us to be, this is elementary and cornbread and beans, but same, sometimes we could get so caught up in the, in the racket of life and what's going on, we forget the mission. The mission of the church is for the church to move forward and find ways and creative ways to get the gospel out and disciple people. Amen? To get creative. What's creativity? When Paul and Silas are in jail and they should be down in the doldrums and they should be down all negative, and then one looks at the other and says, let's sing. Okay. Glory, glory, glory. What's the song we just sang a minute ago? Victory is victory. My Savior forever. Could you imagine singing that while the rats are playing a race game around your feet? They got creative. Why? Because even in the prison cell, 
Their mission did not stop. Their momentum still had a lot of mo in it. Their influence for positivity was going to go forward. They were not going to lose the momentum. In Paul's heart, it was simply this. I am willing and I am going to establish a work of God across the whole continent of Rome, across that whole empire. And every person I get an opportunity, I don't care if it's a jailer. I don't care if it's a house ward. I don't care if it's the emperor. As long as they got an ear to hear, they're going to hear about this Jesus who died on a cross and forgives their sins and rose again they're going to hear and we're going to build a church in Rome and if it starts at the jailhouse rock let it go but I'm not stopping what God's put my heart to do we're on a mission folks amen what do you see remember that Christmas carol do you see what I see at Christmas time we see a lot don't we as a kid, we see things we shouldn't see. I remember my sister's. Her name is Patricia, and she lives in Bangor. So she, even if she gets mad when I say this, she's a long ways away. My sister would go, and this is common knowledge. I know mom and dad are probably watching, but they would go and unwrap the gifts and snoop And then wrap it up. They're really good at gift wrapping. And they'd wrap it up with the same wrapping paper and put it back where they found it. And then play surprise Christmas morning. I know we're, we were such good kids back in that Macbeth household. We never made a mistake except for Christmas time. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Do you see what I see? Ten come back and said, wow, well, well, this is amazing. This is radical. Land is flowing in milk and honey, but nevertheless, verse 33, it says it this way. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, that came from the giants. And that's a whole other study we'll get into at a later date. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. The worst thing that we could ever get in our mindset is the grasshopper mentality. I don't want a grasshopper mentality. I don't want them mindset says, well, this is greater, this is bigger, that's going to steal my joy, that's going to steal my victory. Honey, if the weather and the politics and the systems of this day steals your joy, I'm encouraging you, get back to Jesus. Paul said it this way very clearly in a prison cell, unjustly in a prison cell. He says, these light afflictions. Light afflictions? Lord mercy, how crazier can it get? Do you see what I see? And here's what I'm encouraging us all to see right now. An opportunity. An opportunity. That you know what? God is setting up the system. We think so many times the Antichrist is having his way. I'm going to tell you something. God knows exactly what's going on. He's got it all figured out. It may look a little chaotic right now. It may look like a tornado's hit. But I'm telling you right now that at the end of the day, God's got his thumb on this. He knows exactly what's up. Remember, he's not concerned about our feelings. He's concerned about our soul. I talked to about 24 kids on Wednesday night. 
And I talked about 65 kids on Thursday morning. And I reminded them that God is after our mind. He's after our heart. He's after our soul. He doesn't care less sometimes about our little inconveniences. And I know they're frustrated. And I'm not making little of it. But what he wants more than anything else is the 750-some thousand souls in New Brunswick. That's what he wants. And he'll do whatever it takes to reach those people and see those hearts turn towards him. He will allow whatever it takes for stuff to happen for people to repent. I've had conversations with people about the Lord Jesus Christ specifically because of what's going on right now. You say, oh, Jody, are you, are you backing this up? No, I'm not. What I'm saying is I'm going to choose and make up my mind what mountain I see and what I see on the mountain and what I'm going to do about this mountain. Amen? So we made up our minds. Church will go on. The work of God will go on. And I'm not going to have a grasshopper mentality. It says, oh, no, we can't take it. I'm going to be like a Caleb and says, you know what? I've got a giant inside of me. I've got a Jehovah inside of me. And we are able. Glory. Why is it so important? Because the negative delay that was created of the strip of some 40 days cost this nation of great people 40 years of negativity. Our negativity, I'm not saying we're negative here today. I'm saying if we create that momentum of negativity, it doesn't cost someone a moment. It could cost someone their salvation. Hello. Could you imagine if I get up here this morning and say, guys, I'm so sorry this is all going on. My heart breaks for you. You know what, guys? Let's just, just go home and pray this thing all blows away. What good would that do? I'm going to say, you know what, guys? Let's just calm down. We're able to go up. I got a neighbor that's hungry. I got a subdivision over there that's hungry. I got a co-worker over there that's finally open. They're asking questions. They're talking, what's going on? Is this this? Is this the mark of the beast? Is this the Antichrist? Is this the end times? I tell everybody, the spirit of Antichrist was let loose when Jesus was on the earth. We know where these things are going. We know what's being already set up. We've seen how that in just a few days, how the world can come under the thumb of just a few people in just a few days. But we can come under the thumb of whoever they want. But in the heart, they will not have my heart. They will not have my head. They will have everything that I can present to them in the name of Jesus. Amen? Do you see what I see? I know there were two. Only two. But the two chose to say, you know what? I don't care what you idiots saw. I saw God's promises, and they're yea, and they're amen, and we're going to go up and take the country. And guess what? It was Caleb's generation, not the negative Nellies. It was Caleb's generation that got in. It was Caleb's people that got the land of the milk and honey. I'm saying today, folks, we are able. We're able. When he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. I'll say this to you today. Attitude is everything. Remember the old line, attitude determines your altitude. I don't know who said it, but it's been repeated a lot. But the statement was this, if if you think you can or whether you think you can't, either way you're right. Our attitude 
determines our approach. Amen? So my attitude when I approach people is this. I'm shocked if they don't turn to Jesus. My attitude is this, that by the time I'm done with you, whether it's day one or day 40, by the time I'm done with you, you're going to turn your heart to Christ. Our attitude determines our relationships with people. I had a scenario Friday morning. And I had to have an attitude check. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I'm telling you what, on a fleshly scale, I was boiling. I had someone working on a project. And when I showed up on the scene, let me just tell you, honey, it was not good. And I thought, okay, I can't be a Sandy McGaw. This cannot be a swearing in process. How is Jesus going to be seen in this? So I looked at the guy in the eyeball, and I said, I love you. But what I'm about to tell you is the truth. Once I told him what I needed to tell him, I said, remember this one thing, I love you. But once you're doing what you're done here, never bring that back here again. Attitude. Because even through that very challenging situation that I found myself in Friday morning, at the end of the day, I wanted him walking away, saying, there's a Christian. It's okay to be truthful. It's okay to be honest. You got to be honest. Even Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. Doesn't say lie to them or make something up or give them a bunch of flowers and candy all the time. Says tell them the way it is, but do it in an absolute crazy amount of love so they walk away and say, man, Jesus was in that conversation. Our attitude is often the only difference between success and failure. If I said it this way, I love you. Jesus loves you. I look at the guy and shake his hand and say, God loves you. My attitude determines the success or the failure of that situation. Our attitude at the beginning of a task will affect its outcome more than anything else. How many times have we been faced with the task in front of us? And maybe it's like the fall chores, the raking of leaves or splitting of wood and putting it away. And you look at it and think, three cord looks like 58 cord of wood. You go with the attitude, I don't want to bother with that and I don't want to deal with that and all, all the attitude that goes along with it. But so you know what, I'm going to get this done. In the scope of the big things and the spiritual things and the church things and the God factor things, I've made up my attitude that at the beginning of this task, at the beginning of the season you and I are in, nothing's going to steal my joy. Nothing's going to take away my get up and go. Nothing's going to hold me back from ministering to people. We're going to go. We're going to get it done. I've got an attitude that's going to put me on an altitude that says, I sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and nothing's knocking me out of that atmosphere. Amen? Our attitude is not automatically good. Now listen to this. If you want to write this one down, go ahead. Our attitude is not automatically good just because we belong to God. 
Victory is not always guaranteed just because we belong to God. All 12 were promised, secured. That wasn't even up for discussion before these boys went off on the little vacation up the hill. It was already established. That mountain's yours. I just want you to go look and see what I see. Put it in their heart and put it right in their very DNA. But when they come back, 10 of them signed off on the D and said, that's not mine just because of their stinking, rotten, negative attitude. Man, that's tough talk, isn't it? Let me ask you this question. I've got the faith for the victory and I realize the mountains are high. I realize that giants are big. I realize there's a lot of stuff going on. Things seem like they're fortified. But the question is this. When you go up the mountain, have you made up your mind, regardless of the mountain that you're looking at today, have you made up your mind that the promise God put in your spirit before you saw the giants, that the promise that God put there, it's still yours, regardless of what your natural eyes see? I was praying a couple of weeks ago. And I was being a negative Nelly. I was whining to God. You ever whine to God? Just check and make sure I'm not the only human in the room. I was like, God, as if he didn't already know. God was like, Jody, I showed you that civic center full. And I showed you a line to the baptism tank. And I showed you this auditorium full of kids. And I showed you this Sunday school of kids getting full of the Holy Ghost and giving their heart to Jesus Christ and people getting healed and saved and delivered. Do you not think I don't know what's going on? Grow up! I was like, yes, sir. That scripture, that scripture came to me. Consider these things not such a strange or these hard, challenging moments that may seem like such an inconvenience. Something seem not be such a stranger. And then the other one came to me, these light afflictions. And God was like, maybe I've got to do an altitude and an attitude adjustment in the body of Christ across Canada. To see this massive, glorious opportunity that's presented to the church that right now, right now is a time that people haven't even been looking at the mountain, I promise them. But now they're at least looking to a mountain. They're actually considering eternity. They're actually wondering, is there a supernatural force or power that's greater than the provincial government or the UN or the Canadian government? Is there something greater? Numbers 14 says it like this, and I'm just about dumb. The Lord said, I like it when the Lord said, I pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt, in the wilderness, and have put me to the test, now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice. They certainly will not see the land of which I swore to their fathers. Nor shall any of those who rejected me see it either. Why is it so important that we see God's promises, not the giants? God's tolerance goes to a certain degree. 
But when God's people reject his promises that are yea and amen, God doesn't have a lot of tolerance for that. Ouch. How do you know? He said it. I love you, but when I give you something, and I know this seems elementary and simple. If I handed, if I handed, let's say, Hannah, a hundred bucks. Hannah, here's a hundred bucks. Now, she'd take it. I guarantee you she'd take it. Here's a hundred bucks. Here you go. hundred bucks. Oh, no, no. I couldn't have that. I couldn't have that. That wouldn't do anything for me. I couldn't do nothing with that. That's useless. Oh, no, no, no. There must be a string attached. What do I got to do? Laundry, split wood, mow the lawn? Well, you could if you wanted to, but here's this other box. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, Jody, you take that. You take that. You take that. No, 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 no. no. There's too many negative things going on. There's, life's too hard. You, you keep the hundred bucks. And Hannah, this is yours. After a while, I'm going to say, fine. Fine. Anybody else want it? She don't. God's saying, I'm giving you a whole county. I'm giving you a whole province. I'm giving you a whole region full of hungry people. Do something with it. Do something with it. I'm giving you this mountain. How do we know? Because he said in Numbers 14, back my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit. Woo! In him, he has followed me to the fullest. Say, well, you're different, all right, Joe. You're different. Check it out. He says, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants will inherit it. I'm saying to somebody, you want faith for the victory today? We make sure. We check ourselves. I got a different spirit than the spirit of this age. I got a different spirit than the spirit of this world. I've got the victory. I've got the victory in my spirit. I know we're going to make it. I know my faith is going to take it. I know my children are going to be saved. I know my region is going to know Jesus. I know we're going to have revival. I know there's going to be a wave of glory. I know people will be delivered and saved and set free. I know it. Man, oh, cool beans it would be when they say, that folk down there at St. Croix Christian Center, they're of a different spirit. There's hope there. There's joy there. There's forgiveness there. There's power there. There's love there. Man, oh, man, I can hardly wait for the next event there. I want to get there. Those people are different. Someone said, that's not too hard for me. Different. In a world full of negativity, In a world so down in the doldrums, I choose joy. And I choose that mountain because I've got faith for us, for the church as large. To see, you know what? We've got the victory. We've got the victory. We've got the victory. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. We pray that you've been equipped and encouraged. Continue to follow us on sccc.online. There will be resources and tools available to you. And reach out to us at any time if we can help. Have an amazing day.